Guys, can I pray for us first? Is that okay? Heavenly Father, I thank you for this opportunity to gather together to hear from your word, Lord. We love you. We commit our lives back to you now. Lord, we love this time of year when we stop and we begin to get excited, not about the Christmas trees and the presents and all the festivities, because if anything, that can actually stress us out, but we stop to remember that this is when you chose to come to visit us. This is when you chose to bridge the gap back to humanity and you sent your son to come as a little baby, a cute little ball of pink fluffiness as the savior of all humankind. And we are so excited and so privileged that not only are we waiting for him to come in the metaphorical so that we can celebrate on the 25th of December, but that we are still waiting for him to come again. Lord, he lives in our hearts and we feel your presence every day, but Lord, we long for the day that you come back. We long for the day that we can be in communion with you, in a relationship with you. Jesus, we love you. We commit our lives back to you. Lord, speak to us today. Speak to our hearts. Lord, if there's somebody here today that needs to be healed and restored, let today be the day that they're healed and restored. If today is the day that somebody needs to give their life to you, that today be the day. Because Jesus, we love you. This is not just a nativity service. We've come to worship you. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. It's funny, isn't it? Christmas is one of those times a year, and we don't get many in the West now, where all of our friends and families, they just seem to like open their hearts and their minds to the idea of this bloke called Christ. They celebrate Christmas sometimes, and in, in fact, some Christians I know get really offended when people replace the word Christ with an X. Do you see that? We start to celebrate Xmas now. I don't think that's deliberate, and I'm not going to get all demonic about it, oh, Satan's way of attacking the church. I, I think it's people get lazy and they just, you know, think X kind of sounds like Christ or Christ or whatever. But either way, let's not take Christ out of Christmas. This is a really unique opportunity for us to talk about our faith with people openly, without being overly religious and silly about it, going, no, you can't have a Christmas tree because that came from a pagan festival. And let's not send Christmas cards because it's bad for the environment. Or who have you invited over for your Christmas dinner? Do you know what, guys? I love the idea of that. And if anyone would like to join me on Christmas Day, you can. But it's a bit weird, especially if you've got kids, right? Do you know in Poland, they actually set a separate place at every table. In every house in Poland, there's an extra place sat. And anybody can knock on your front door on Christmas Day and say, can I join you for lunch? And I thought, that's beautiful. Does anyone ever actually do it? They went, no, <laughs> we wouldn't answer the door. Of course we wouldn't. It's just a silly tradition, like crackers on the table. Because we, we come up with these great ideas, don't we? But Christmas is the time where we get the opportunity to, to maybe invite somebody into what we believe or what we think. We can pray for them. We can invite them for dinner. It doesn't have to be on the 25th, of course. We can invite them to the well good news of Christmas. And I have never put you under pressure to invite people to stuff. But if you ever wanted, like, the easiest route to inviting somebody to something. Christmas is the time. Do you want to come for some free pizza and mince pies to sing carols that remind you of when you were a kid, to play silly games and watch Ricky and Vladimir do a daft dance? We're not doing that this year. <laughs> You'll be sad to know. There might, maybe, just maybe, might be something else. But that's the time to come. So if you want to be a, a street evangelist, street healer, Go for it. If you want to go to Bible college for three years and start leading churches, you know, go for that too. If you want a slightly easier, in business we call it the path of least resistance. Well, guys, next Sunday is your path of least resistance. If you want to do your work as an evangelist, the simplest thing you can do is to invite. 
So yes, in this case, it is to invite to an event so that somebody and something else can convey that message for you. But actually, you can invite people into the faith yourself. You don't need an elder or a pastor or a church to do that for you. But this is the time to invite your husbands, your kids, your wives, your neighbours, your kids' friends. Do you know, this church has grown because we're a family. And it's kids who've come through the youth that suddenly come to church. It's kids that come through messy church that suddenly come to church. It's families that have been invited over for dinner or into community groups or home groups, and then they've come to church. Do you know what happens when they come to church? Church being the body of Christ, they come to faith. It's funny how that works, isn't it? Some of us have that encounter when we're led in bed and we pray and suddenly we have this encounter with the Holy Spirit and that's beautiful. But actually the truth is that in 2019, most people come to faith through the body of Christ. They come to faith through hearing. It's in Romans 10, remember, if, if nobody tells them, how will they know? Well, if they're not anywhere where anyone's saying it, how are they going to hear it? How are they going to hear it if nobody goes or if nobody's sent? I'm terribly paraphrasing Romans 10. You can read it if you want. But Christmas is one of those times where you get to highlight what you believe. What do we believe? We believe in eternal truth. How do we know it's an eternal truth? Well, this week I spoke to somebody again, and, and, and this happens so, so often. Do you know, I, I don't know what I think about this God stuff. I was actually in the gym, and I'd done a, a horrible class that I'm probably never going to do again. I really sweated, and it really wasn't enjoyable, uh, called Body Pump. And I was chatting to the PA instructor, and uh, he said, oh, well, it's great to have you, great to meet you. What do you do for a living? I may get slightly more opportunities than you to share the faith, I must admit. Because as a fella, that is normally the first question we ask each other when you meet somebody for the first time. I said, I work for a church. I didn't say pastor because that's stupid church language that no one understands. I didn't want to say reverend or vicar because I'm not. I'm a pastor, I'm a shepherd. My job's to care for you. So it's easier to say I work for a church. And we had this amazing conversation. He's a South African guy. In fact, he knows a couple of people that come here. But somebody else from the class overheard. And then we got talking later. And he asked me the same question. What do you do for a living? I said, I work for a church. He said, yeah, no, I heard you say that the first time. I just assumed that maybe it was like a gym or a nightclub or something like that. I didn't think you actually meant like a, a, a church church. <laughs> It's like the church, the church of the body, you know, you can, where's Vladimir today? He's not here, no. The church of the body or the nightclub. You can imagine like an old church being turned into a nightclub. But one of the things we talked about was he said, I have no idea what I believe about that stuff. And that doesn't surprise me. And I have told you this time and time again that we've come to the conclusion because our generation and above, so if you think I'm 30-ish uh, and, and above, we got told in school. We were probably dragged to church at some point. We've made the assumption that our generation not only heard the truth, but we made our minds up based on it too. Well, here's the really sad, but incredibly exciting fact, is the new generation coming through haven't. So we might look at this generation as a fallen generation and say, why are churches not full of children? Honestly, I can't say that about this one, can we? But some churches are, are not, they don't have any children. Why? Because we've made the assumption that kids and families have heard the truth of the gospel, they've made their mind up, and isn't that a sad reality for the church? You're wrong. This generation have not heard the gospel. When I spoke to this fellow, I asked him a really simple question. I said, have you ever been in a life and death situation, either your own 
or somebody else or somebody you loved? And he said, yeah. He said, what did you do? He went, oh yeah, I prayed. It's the most natural instinct in the world to believe in God. And I bet if you asked if they were honest with you, some people might lie to you, some people, it may not be true. But the vast majority, if you say, what have you done in a life and death situation? Or when you're in danger of losing somebody, what do you do? So they pray to a higher power. They pray to a higher existence. It is the most instinctive reality in the world. In fact, we unlearn faith. We don't want it to be true. We want to be able to earn some kind of salvation. Or we want there to not be consequence to our decisions. We unlearn faith as we grow older. This time of year we talk about hope, we talk about love, we talk about joy, we talk about peace. In this church we often talk about healing and reconciliation. Well this is the truth and the reality that I'm talking about. This is what I want us to invite people to. Yeah, the mince pies and the mulled wine, the food's going to be amazing I hear. The decorations are going to be fantastic. It's going to be great fun. But I'd much rather invite people into that healing, into that reconciliation, into that joy and into that peace. But how are they going to hear about any of that stuff or experience any of that stuff? Here's the kicker. Because I'd normally say we. But I'm going to challenge you and say you. Unless you invite them. Why do I have to say you? Because I don't know your children. I don't know your neighbours. I don't know your friends and your family. So I can't say we. All I can say we to is that I've made a personal commitment this week to meet more people. If I meet more people, then more people can be invited. That's not my whole intention. I'd like to make some friends outside of the church. I'd like to have a social life. I'd like to go to the gym and have some hobbies. All church and no play makes Ricky a dull boy. But actually, if we know more people, then we can share the gospel more times. It is Christmas after all. And this is what Christmas is all about. So I'm going to read a few scriptures to you. And then um, I'm going to talk about the most random thing. I'm glad Sue finished early. We've got lots to go through today. Well, I want to read to you from Luke 1, 26 to 33. So if anyone wants to turn to that. It, 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 we're going to just go through a few of the uh, traditional kind of Bible verses around Christmas so we know actually what we're talking about. But it said, God sent an, Abra- uh, an angel Gabriel to Nazareth, to a town called Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. The reason I wanted to read that to you is because I want to link what we're going to talk about this week to what Tim talked about last week. And actually, I, don't, I wasn't listening, if I'm honest. I was busy doing something else around brunch. But Tim wasn't due to preach last week. I was. And I prayed on the Friday. I said, Lord, why have I got no message for the church on Sunday? It would be really good if you sent somebody to preach. On Saturday, I received a message from Tim to say, I think I've been given a prophetic word for the church. Would you mind if I took a few moments to share it? And I said, I'd rather you took 45 and preached it. And he did. And we humbled each other to say, actually, we want to hear from God, not hear from whoever was due to be on the rotor to preach. 
What did Tim talk to us about? Tim talked to us about Isaiah 9, 6-7. And I think even the most staunch atheist in the world will have heard this Bible verse around Christmas. Because it says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the great ki- greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with the justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. And the reason I say that is because a number of theologians, a number of people who study the Bible, when they read the Isaiah verse, they say that there was a, a first fulfillment to that prophecy, that they were actually talking about a human king that came hundreds of years before Jesus. And that can sometimes happen in the Bible. Sometimes there is a first fulfillment, and then there is a full fulfillment. And this is the confirmation of Jesus, of us identifying Jesus. Luke is identifying Jesus as the one, as the Messiah, as the Son of God, as the one who was sent. But it goes on, doesn't it? I'm going back into Luke, sorry to jump around a little bit. I really wanted to affirm what Tim had spoken about last week. And he went into great detail, didn't he? About what it meant to be a wonderful counsellor, a mighty God, an everlasting father, and a prince of peace. I'm not going to go over it again. But Luke continues to say, In those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place whilst Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up to the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem. The town of David because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there the time came for the baby to be born and she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in clothes, cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. That's a really famous Christmas carol, isn't it? An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that it will call great joy of all the people. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts of angels appeared with an angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favour rests. And when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what, they'd, at what the shepherds had said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. That's a catch-up for any of you who may not have heard the Christmas story before. That is not what I'm going to preach on today. But I'm going to do something in this church now, and you guys are going to have to get used to it, is we're never going to assume knowledge. Because we have so many people coming amongst us that have actually never been to church. 
of people coming amongst us that haven't been to church for a long time or children that are growing up in the church that have never heard this stuff and I'm going to make no apologies for it especially when it comes from the word of God itself but I wanted to, to lay the platform out that for hundreds of years prophets and people were pointing towards the coming of this saviour Messiah is a funny church word, isn't it? But here's the guy who's going to come, God himself, and he's going to save us from this terrible world and existence and pain and suffering that we've had to go through. Now to these people, this was talking about slavery and captivity and wilderness. In 2019, we might call it depression, anxiety, abuse, debt, stress, divorce. What else do you want to call it? Those are the challenges that we face in the world today. Well, these guys had this, this saviour who was going to come along and save them. Because that's what saviour means. Messiah is saviour. It's the same give or take. We only use the word saviour today instead. So what would you think they were expecting? I think one thing they definitely weren't going to expect was a tiny little pink blob of a baby. I love babies. I love them when you can hear them in church too. Never, ever any guilt or shame or condemnation for hearing a baby cry in church. This church is a family church, okay? I love the sound of children. I love the fact that I can still hear them next door. And if they go quiet, they're either up to no good or they're not having enough fun. You may have noticed I left the room earlier on because they really do have a lot more fun than you do. But they weren't expecting this. So this week as I was praying for this, people actually quite often talk about this stuff around Christmas so it's like a church tradition that we want to talk about Jesus we want to talk about the birth so you might have been surprised then and I'm gonna not assume knowledge again but this time it's not in the Bible do any of you know who the Marvel Universe is my goodness there are some blank faces in this room today a little bit has anyone ever heard of spider-man yes the incredible Hulk Iron Man, Wonder Woman. No, oh, wrong, wrong series, sorry. If Jack was here, Jack would tell me off. There was a whole series of superhero films, and, and quite honestly, to understand this message, you don't have to understand the films. But I'm going to tell you, like a, uh, this is like 60 hours worth of films, and I'm going to sort of synopsis it in, a, in about two minutes flat. So a whole load of superheroes start to get revealed in their own movies. So once upon a time, there's a, a guy who got, uh, got, got exposed to some radiation and he suddenly turned into a giant green monster and used to go and smashing things up. And there's a whole film about that. It's an amazing film. I really enjoy that film. But that's just, really, the film is just exposing us to who that character is. And you get to the end, you think, that's a brilliant film. Even just by itself, it's a good story. I could enjoy that film. But, well, next there came... There's a lot of these. I got it wrong. The first one was Iron Man. <laughs> Does everyone know who Iron Man is? He was a really rich guy, a bit like Batman, a really rich guy who built like this amazing suit that could like shoot rockets and fly and was kind of indestructible. Again, good movie stands by itself. Do you know there were 22 movies like this and each one revealing to us a new character or a new theme about that character. So Iron Man had three. He was a really interesting character. But then within the 22 films, there were like these stop points. There were these points where all the characters would come together and they would do something together. And of course, it's a superhero movie, so you know what it is. It's all the baddies got together too. And then all the goodies got together and they had a great big fight. And guess who won? Yeah, the goodies. The goodies won, okay? Because that's how films work, right? Most of the time. 
we get through this series, and, and as you start to get to the end of the 22 films, actually, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like that anymore. We get introduced to a guy called Thanos, and Thanos is literally twice the physical size of all of our goodies. And he seems to have this ridiculous strength, even more so than, you know, everyone heard of Thor? A godlike character who was supposed to be like this in, most indestructible person. But this Thanos guy happened to be bigger and stronger than him. And he was collecting these things called infinity stones. Where infinity stones were like fire and water and air. And, and the problem is if they all got together, he would have the power to destroy everything. All of life and all of existence. I bet the youth wish they were in here now. Maybe we're having more fun than they were. And as the 22 films continue, this guy, he, he keeps on winning. But you think, no, 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 you're the baddie, you're supposed to lose. But he keeps winning and he keeps picking up these stones. And he's a really bad guy. And we get to the, towards the end, and suddenly, out of nowhere, I think it's film number 20, a new character gets introduced. We've done that already. Those were the beginning films. We were introduced to Iron Man and the Hulk and all these other ones. Well, towards the end, we were introduced to somebody called Captain Marvel. And you can probably guess by the name that she's a pretty significant character. Because the whole series is named after her. And what happens is she was a normal human girl who, guess what, got exposed to some kind of magical radiation and became super strong and could fly through space and beat up whole spaceships all by herself, like giant great big warships. And just, you know, she could just fly into them and they would just somehow magically implode. A great film by itself, but a bit of a curved ball. I didn't see it coming. Well, at the end of the 22 films, or 21, film 21, this bad guy got all the stones. Do you know what he did? He put them in his hand and he clicked his fingers and half of the living beings in the entire galaxy died. Exactly 50%. Can you imagine how it would feel today is if we closed our eyes and opened them and half the people in this room had disappeared, including some of our superheroes. And you think, how on earth could that happen? We're the good guys, we're supposed to win. Thanos, he got all the stones and you think they're, they're just gonna get it. And in fact, there's, a, there's a, a plot twist, it's brilliant. I'm gonna ruin the film for everybody now. Where actually they managed to stop him getting the last stone, but because he's got the other ones, he can get it back and he destroys half the population. Well, we are the good guys, and it is Hollywood after all. <laughs> so the final film, of course, we know that all the goodies get together, they do whatever they do, I'm not gonna ruin the film for you, and they go and kick this guy's butt, and they win. And actually, do you know what's really sad? Is the bad guy isn't the bad guy. That's the biggest plot, it's the biggest plot twist is the bad guy came from a planet that completely consumed itself with consumerism. They bought and they spent and they built and they bought and they spent and they built and the carbon eventually, and the whole planet just destroyed itself and everybody died, including his family. So he thought to himself, isn't there a way where I could stop other planets doing this to themselves? The reason we went there is because we were overpopulated. So if I could find a way to reduce the population, then half the people would live. How many of you theologians, philosophers out there, 
if I said the choice was for 50 of us to die or for 25 of us to die, what would you choose? Those are your two options. There's no third option. Suddenly, this really bad guy doesn't appear to be really bad anymore, does he? He's just saved half the world's population, half the galaxy's population. We all think he's horrible. And do you know what they do in the first scene of this movie? They kill him. Because they were so angry with him, they killed him anyway. And he just, he just knelt down and let it happen to him. Because he'd achieved what he wanted to achieve. He achieved the disruption that he wanted to achieve. But half the people didn't come back. So the whole movie was spent trying to figure out how to get the people back. And again, there was a big battle at the end. And the, and the good guys were starting to lose. Because that's what happens, right? Otherwise, it would just be a boring film. All right, so the good guys get together and they're having this battle and they're trying to get these stones back and they're trying to turn things around again. And they begin to lose. And then Captain Marvel turns up. This beautiful, strong woman with all these superpowers turns up and just like flies into this spaceship and blows it all up and all the baddies die and all the goodies win. And then suddenly half the world's population just reappear as if by magic. Never come to watch superhuman movies with me. I am horrible at finding plot holes. Because my first instinct, instead of going, yay, we won! I've spent the last 10 years watching these movies and I was devastated when, when all the good guys died and they've all come back to life. No, I, I left the cinema and went, why didn't she just come in at the start of the movie? Thousands would have been saved. If she just turned up on time, at the beginning, why? It, it makes no sense for her to wait to that moment in time to come in and win the day. It's a funny series. There's some very good movies. But it's a horrible plot hole. That we had a superhero on our side. Because we're the goodies, right? None of, none of you. None of you are... Uh, Sympathise with the baddies in that story, did you? If you do, come to the end, we'll, we'll pray for you, okay? We're all supposed to be on the good guy side, right? That's how we associate. Why did she wait so long? There is only one answer. It would have been a rubbish movie if she didn't. And we paid to go to the cinema. We want to buy the DVD. They have to sell the lunch boxes to the kids, right? And the school bags. She had to come at the end, otherwise it would have been a rubbish movie. Well, we have something a bit better than Captain Marvel, don't we? We have Jesus. And what's happened is there's been 21 movies so far, and all these different characters have been introduced to us through the Old Testament and even through the New Testament. Even the latest one being John the Baptist we talked about a few weeks ago. We have all these characters that have been introduced to us, all these movies that have been introduced to us in the story. And then suddenly, our indestructible superhero comes. Jesus. He's here. He's going to win the day. Okay, he, he doesn't look the way we expected him to look. He's a baby, but he'll grow up. God knows what he's doing. Trust him. Never let us down before. Never let us down in Egypt, did he? Never let us down in the wilderness, where we thought he did. He's never let us down, so let's just trust him. Jesus is here. But then Jesus dies, doesn't he? Can't have Christmas if you don't have Easter. Most people don't talk about Easter this time of year, do they? But we're going to talk about Easter. 
Because here came the Jesus who told everybody about him. In fact, he told everybody who he was. Not everybody, he told everybody he met who he was. And then he died. So our indestructible superhero, our champion, my Jesus, the guy I laid my life down for, died. Then he went to hell. <gasps> Controversial. Jesus, right? He's supposed to go to heaven. But he didn't. He went to hell. And he defeated death. Never get that confused with defeated Satan. If he defeated Satan, Satan wouldn't be here today. And he is. He defeated death. He opened the doors to eternal life for us. And then he came back. And you go, come on. Three, we only had to wait three days, right? These guys had to wait for like three movies. Each movie's nine hours or whatever. It feels like that sometimes when you're watching them, right? We had to wait just three days. That's amazing. But he only spent a little bit of time here and he didn't, he didn't, he didn't do it. There was still pain. There was still suffering in the world. And then he ascended. He went away. He left us. And then he said, I'm not going to tell you when I'm coming back. Guys, that sucks. Jesus is far more powerful than Captain Marvel. He can defeat death. He can defeat Satan. He can defeat every heartache, pain, suffering in your life. But he's not come back yet. So it ponders the question. I know he's not trying to sell movie rights. So why is he waiting? We know why Captain Marvel waited to come back. Why is Jesus waiting? Well, in Matthew 24, 14... It says, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world. Gospel is, uh, is a funny word. It means good news. So this story that I've just told you about Jesus, you can ignore the Captain Marvel stuff. It was just to set the scene. But the story I've told you about Jesus will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. So he hasn't given us an exact date or an exact time. But he has told us what has to happen first. Matthew 24 goes on a bit later to say, But about the day or the hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. Up to the day Noah entered the ark, and they, were nothing, and they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in a field. One will be taken and the other one left. Two women will be grinding with a handmill. One will be taken and the other one left. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. God told Noah to build an ark in a desert, in a drought. He looked like an idiot. Let's not, let's not filter this. He looked like a buffoon. He built a giant floating object in the middle of a desert because an unseen God told him to. We have some people who work in mental health here. Imagine if one of your patients came to you and said, an invisible being told me to build a boat in my back garden. I think there'd be some prescriptions written. I certainly hope there would be. <laughs> but he did it, didn't he? He built the ark. Even though everyone around him told him he was mad. And he did actually tell them. Why? They just laughed at him and scoffed at him. But he told his family. His family came too. 
you know, his sons and his daughter-in-laws, they were saved. If it wasn't for this man's obedience, there wouldn't be any humankind left. You could argue that was God's grace too. But that's what it's going to be like at the end. So for our festive message of joy and thanksgiving, yes, we're going to talk about end times. Strapping. We're not going to talk about it very long. When we do the Alpha course, I sometimes ask a really simple question. When it comes to around that time where people are thinking about making a commitment, or maybe thinking about sharing what commitment they've already made with other people, and I ask them this question. So if this is real, do you want to be on the winning side? If this is real, do you want your family to be on the winning side? I can stand here every day of the week and tell you stories of my brother or tell you stories of people I've met on the streets or tell you how I came to faith and you can tell me how you came to faith. But here's the kicker. If you believe this, if you believe in your heart and confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord and you believe in the holy authority of scripture, you believe in the rest of this too. And you have a duty to share the gospel. This is not supposed to be guilt and condemnation time. But there is a call to action here. You are saved by grace alone, but you're saved for a purpose. We have to persuade people of the gospel. Let's not twist their arms and bully them into it like we used to. The good old days. No, they were bad old days, weren't they? People were forced into church, dragged along by their earlobes and made to fall asleep at the back. That's not what we want. A few of you are smiling. A few of you have had bad experiences of church, I can tell. That is not what I'm talking about now. I'm talking about a loving God who wants to bring joy and love and peace and reconciliation. And your job is to invite. If this is real, there is a lot at stake. If this is not real, then I have just wasted my whole life, my Sunday morning, and my job. Because I'm going to commit my whole life to this. This is true, and I want as many people that I know and that I don't know to know the truth. I, I, I wanted to, to play a song for you today, but we're having some really horrible technical difficulties. Uh, so we're not going to do that. But can I pray for you instead? Not for a heavy heart, but for a boldness and for a courage that enables you to give out a flyer. Well, there's some at the back. A well, good news of Christmas. Give out one. The boldness that enables you to send a text message to your friend that says, Hey, do you want to come and have some carols? Do you want to have a mince pie? The courage that lets you go to the person you've asked 20 times before and they've always said no to say, look, no pressure, but I really don't want you to miss out. Do you want to come? Heavenly Father, I thank you for what you did for us. I thank you that you are far more powerful than Captain Marvel. I thank you that we have a hope and a joy in you. Lord, that all of our hopes are in you. As we walk around this broken world and and we think about America or the UK or Brexit or war or famine or injustice. As Pete and Liz have just come back from India. Lord, they, they really gave a sanitized version of what happens there and what the work of tender heart do. You know the truth. You know the abuse of those women. You know the abuse of those children. You know the lack of hope that they have. Lord, we live in a sanitized Western world where we think we've got it rough. And actually, we don't know half the truth of what is going on in our nation the depravity that's happening in our schools or on the internet, the depravity that's happening behind people's closed doors. But Jesus, we do know we love you. We do know that you came for us. We do know that there is an end to that suffering. 
We do know that there is a peace and a reconciliation. And Lord, we want that for ourselves. So we give our lives back to you now. We commit our lives back to you. But Jesus, we commit the lives of those that we love to. And I say, give us now the boldness and the courage and the strength of conviction in you and your calling to invite. We want to share the gospel. We want to tell people what we found. But Lord, we get so tied up sometimes in political correctness. We get so tied up in fear. We get so tied up in our busyness. That Lord, we forget how simple this is. We don't have to be the next Billy Graham. We don't have to produce a podcast. We don't have to rent what Tyler Country Park on a Sunday morning. We just have to invite. Tell our friends. Tell our family. That we believe in our heart and we confess with our lips that you are Lord. And you came, probably not on December the 25th, but as a little baby to give this world hope. To bridge that gap back to heaven. So that we can be in relationship with a Father God who loves us. And wants nothing more than to be in relationship with you. Hear that again, nothing more. It's a simple request. To be in relationship with the one who made us. So Jesus, we love you. We commit our lives back to you now. We say thank you. We, we pray a blessing over next week. We want to see people saved. We want to see lives transformed. We want to see people healed and restored to the kingdom. So Lord, bless us in every way. Those that are volunteering, Lord, give them strength this week. Give them clarity of vision. Give them the energy. Lord, we pray over the, 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 the events that will happen on Friday with the Donahue family's funeral, Lord, that you bless us. Lord, in that time when we remember, we come together to remember a life, a joyful life, a friendship, a mother, a grandmother, a sister, a daughter. Lord, that we come together in joyous time to remember what you have done for us and that we have a hope in you. So Lord, be with us this week now in Jesus' name. Amen.